Hello, everyone. Are you on your way to shift empty success into fulfillment? Welcome to Uplift My Life Today, the podcast. now in a safe place where we converse, explore, reflect, connect, and deep dive into our inner world together. Fulfillment always starts from within. Every conversation and discussion here is a journey, one that you will likely to continue even after the episode completes. My name is Astuti Marto Sudirjo. I am your host. And thank you for choosing to uplift your life today. For many years, I've been asking myself why there are so many rituals, publications, books and workshops about birth and uh, life, but not necessarily about death. Are we scared thinking about it? Are we scared of accepting our mortality, of knowing that our time here is finite? What are we fearful of? Death is one of those topics that is so important in me in integrating peace into my life. So I decided to speak to Rachel Furer about it, and we agreed to create together a series called Death and Dying. This is the first episode out of three, and it is going to speak about natural death, what it means, what it can look like, why it is important to be prepared for it, and how to do it. As a professional, Rochelle is an international counselor, therapist, and coach. Many years ago, she personally experienced the slow decline of a loved one to death and was struck by how all support and attention seemed to focus on the dying and not on those closest to them. She trained as a bereavement counselor at a private hospice in Johannesburg and gave her time to the dying and their families during the transition process and continued to support those left behind in finding their way back into their lives. For those who did not wish for a traditional service to say farewell, she also created a non-denominational celebration of life which she has led for many families and due to corona now even by zoom having made her home in switzerland she has recently also completed palliative care support training there she continues to offer spiritual care to those faced with their end of life and those closest to them on request the content of this episode, including this one, is thought-provoking and just touching the surface of this really vast topic. 
my wish is that we start the journey to understand death and the dying process so we can live more fully. Hi, Astuti. Hello, Rachel. <laughs> Thank you for coming on to the channel on such a topic that I find to be as very important death, dying, dying process, and to just have a conversation about it, to demystify it, to understand it. Oh, that's a tall order to demystify <laughs> it. Um, I'm not sure that we can do that okay. any more than you can demystify the process yes. of pregnancy and birth and everything else, or life. Um, but I think in order to le lead a good life, we need to address dying yes. and death. And also we need to address possibly in our minds what is a good dying process. Because for me, death is, is the full stop. Mm -hmm. It's the final. Mm. So there's a dying process that leads to death. And what's beyond death, death is a moment in time. Yeah. For me. Yeah. And what's beyond death, that's another whole big speculation chapter. Mm -hmm. And you've had your experiences, I've had my experiences. We both have anecdotes from other people who've had experiences there's religious thoughts about it, there's non-religious thoughts about it. Um, so that's a whole different chapter, but what I think we need to normalize is dying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah? And society and the media and beauty products and pharma and all of those want to suggest, even the medical profession wants to suggest that dying is a failure to live. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like, how dare you? Yes. <laughs> I mean, how weak are you? Mm -hmm. Pull a finger out. Mm -hmm. We have to prevent dying. Mm -hmm or death mm -hmm. at any cost. We have to stay young, we have to do all of those things, which is huge pressure and takes us away from the fact we that are. life, we die and life is finite. Yes, yes. This is, I think you're, you're, you're absolutely right when you say that, because going through what I've gone through, um, interacting with dying process a number of times from different people, including my parents, and then I experienced being part of an arrival or birth process of my nephew. Sometimes in quiet moments, I ask myself, why is it that there's a lot more being normalized with the birth, but not when we actually leaving or we finish the, when we get to that moment of time, of time, of this finite time here. And, and this was, and then what you said just now, Yes, through through beauty, pharma, all these things, we are 
we don't realize that we are being systematically disconnected from that mm. and that makes life imbalanced mm. I find and this is why and it makes it very scary yes yes and there's a lot of new age suggestion around illness that we have co-created it or we have created it mm-hmm. um, and that is also an overlay on on dying mm-hmm. nowadays so and around dying the the it's such a huge subject because there is loss mm-hmm. yeah and we are again promoting through the media through self-help books through various other channels we are promoting that we should not suffer yeah that if we are suffering we're doing something wrong mm-hmm. that if we're not successful we're not working hard enough we're not visualizing enough we're not meditating enough whatever it is yeah. So we're going in a direction of blandness, uniformity, of we all, we're all happy all the time, there's no suffering, mm. nothing, you know, we're all successful, and, and just look at the world, it's just not true. Yeah. yeah. And for me, I don't know whether you know that film, The Stepford Wives, where sort of like robotic yeah. people are always yeah. smiling and, and, and whatever, and suffering belongs to life and failure ask anybody who's been really successful they've been successful because they failed so often yes yes so um we need to to come back to reality and we need to normalize Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we need to stop this separation and we need Mm. to stop this wild idea of Everything's got to be beautiful. Everything's got to be on an even keel. We've always got to be happy. We've always got to be successful. Because we're putting too much pressure on the individual. Yeah. Yeah. And we have a finite life. Mm -hmm. And when we can be at peace with the finite life, and we do not know how long that is. Right. This is the other thing. Yeah. When we're at peace with that, we can live our lives differently. Yeah. Now, if we come back to dying, I'd like to ask you quite a pertinent question around that. Sure. <laughs> because you spoke about your mum dying and your father dying, and, you know, for, for once, it's sort of the natural order, is that those who come before us leave before us. Yeah. So there's a, a rightness, if you want, in our understanding there's a rightness yes. to it. Yes. And as much as we might have feel a huge loss around it, depending on the relationship that we have, obviously, with our parents, there's a rightness. Mm-hmm. Now, from your experience and from your thought processes around this whole topic, and we've spoken about it quite often, mm-hmm. when do you think someone starts to die? If I look at 
my father and my mother separately. I met my father the last time in person about six months before he died. And I saw there's a change in terms of level of energeticness in life beyond the physical. But I couldn't word it. I just saw something was different. I just felt something was different. Looking back, because he died really suddenly, he just went to his room and he died. When I looked back, I just thought, oh my God, that was what I was feeling. I think there was a shift in him um, that I couldn't put words on. But there was a, a period of when he was kind of getting ready, maybe. Yeah, I never asked him because he died. With my mother, I felt like she started her journey to the transition probably about two years prior. Because I learned something from what happened to my father, I started to be much more open to feel. And with her, it was two years prior that she started to descend in my mind. It was just getting ready and she started to discuss things which was very important for her, including, you know, what are you going to do with this house, all these things. and. But I also see that she's also getting more and more ready in her mind to transition. So it's really hard to put words around, but it's just a feeling. And I chose to trust this feeling. So I did what I feel like I want to do in relation to this process and, and did it. But I noticed you sense it. Something changed. Okay. So taken out of that... I think it's a really valuable experience. Mm-hmm. I would find it possibly very difficult to find anybody I spoke to who wouldn't wish to have the kind of death your father had. Yeah, yeah. And it's becoming rarer mm-hmm. and rarer mm-hmm. that somebody, you know, we all know the stories of grandpa sat down in his chair for his afternoon nap and didn't wake up. Yeah, yeah. Um, somebody died in their sleep. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's that Hollywood um, perception of dying in a moment of great passion, which a lot of people <laughs> really would like, um, or eating your favorite food or something. That that instant of enjoying life to its fullest, and then drop dead. Drop dead. Mm-hmm which some people who have heart attacks or strokes or whatever still experience. However, with most people in our aging cultures today, and the aging cultures go back to sanitation and medication, really, most people will have an illness mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. that will precede death. And that is what we perceive then as the beginning of their dying. Mm-hmm. Some people will have an accident. Mm -hmm. Some people will have a violent incident or a war incident. Some people will commit suicide. Mm -hmm. So there's as many ways of dying as there are of living, as there are of being birthed. Yes. (laughs) So there's, there's... not one specific way, but there are pr- 
processes mm -hmm. that are similar. Mm -hmm. So no one would imagine breastfeeding a child that's still in the womb. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because the child hasn't it's been, been birthed, birthed yet. Yes. So with birth, for instance, which we talk about easily, as you've said, there's a point of conception. There's a point of understanding I'm feeling something in my body that other people will see maybe you're throwing up a lot or maybe you're glowing or maybe whatever. Um, let me take a test to see if I'm pregnant. Oh yes, I'm pregnant. There are various ways of experiencing pregnancy, more difficulty or none at all. Mm -hmm. And there are various ways of experiencing birth. Now, what we would call a natural birth process would be the waters break, the cervix dilutes, the labor pains start. At some stage, the child goes through the birth canal and comes out and needs to cry in order to fill the lungs with air. Yeah. Now, if that doesn't work, there's then a cesarean. Mm -hmm. But generally, the waters have broken and the labor pains have stopped. So there's very, yeah. There are nowadays elective caesareans where somebody says, okay, I've just found out I'm pregnant two months in, I would like to have the baby on that date. Sometimes the baby comes earlier, goes nah, ah, 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 and sometimes the baby is taken out of the womb before it's ready. Mm, yeah. Because it's an elective. Yeah. Though, of course, there's sometimes there's medical reasons for yeah. the elective as well. It's the same with dying. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Sometimes the process starts and then is hastened mm -hmm. medically. And or it's hastened because certain interventions or it's allowed to happen because certain interventions are taken away mm -hmm. or not um, started. So there's, there's, there's many, many things around the dying process. Mm -hmm. But I asked that specifically because we start to die physically. If you see dying as a declining of the body mm -hmm. to death, as you said, descend. Descend, yes. So whilst our soul or the energy that is part of this experience of life ascends, the body descends. Yes. Descension. So the, the body obviously is formed in the womb and grows from there, builds up and starts to decline, mm -hmm. medically speaking, mm -hmm. anywhere between the ages of 18 and 24. Mm. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> I didn't know that early. <laughs> Please elaborate. <laughs> that is when everybody, if you want to put a fine point on it, yeah. starts to die. Okay. That's interesting. We didn't know this. Mm. Mm -hmm. The body starts to decline. Okay. In our 30s, 
our heart starts to lose its strength. Mm. Okay, that's early. In our 30s. Mm -hmm. So all of these, these keep fit, be healthy things of cardiovascular, etc., are wonderful because they try to keep the strength of the heart. So the circulation changes, yeah. the heart, the, the energy, the strength of the heart starts to decline. Mm. And the heart is one of the first organs to be formed in, em in embryo, in the womb. And it's one of the first organs to start to decline. Mm -hmm. Yes, you can keep it pumping, but there's also through cardiovascular, mm -hmm. always. But if you overdo it, because you're not aware that the heart is losing, mm -hmm. there comes a point where you can damage your heart. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's true. So in your 30s, Mm -hmm. Then we lose bone mass, we lose muscle mass, every decade brings us something. And in our 70s, we have lost a lot of our brain mass, mm -hmm. which will obviously result in brain function. Mm -hmm. Even without Alzheimer's, dementia, mm -hmm. or whatever, it's that can't remember names, where have I put my keys, etc. But that is a known that in your 70s, the brain mass, mm -hmm. you've lost generally a quarter to a third. Mm -hmm. Just mass. Mm -hmm. So, yes, neurological pathways, etc., etc. Mm -hmm. And that is the way that the body is designed. Mm -hmm. So, yes, you can keep your mental acuity going by doing crosswords mm -hmm. and whatever, but you are still losing brain yes. mass. Yeah. yeah. Yes, you can lift weights, uh, walk a lot, whatever, to keep bone density, but your body is designed to decline. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So through medication nowadays we keep people going to 90 and 100 etc the design of the body <laughs> has not caught up mm. yeah so because of medication because people start at younger ages with blood thinners because they have thrombosis or blood clots or heart problems or whatever or they start taking extra calcium because of bone density or 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 we're trying to move against mm -hmm. how our bodies are designed mm -hmm. but the truth of the matter is that's keeping us alive which is why more and more of us are becoming ill mm in order to die mm. rather than just sitting in our chair or going to bed mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is because we are intervening very early. Mm -hmm. 
Within the palliative care thought process, when you ask one of the doctors there, you know, about a natural death, mm-hmm. you say to them, well, we'd like to give auntie or my father or my husband or my wife a natural death. They sort of think to themselves, <laughs> really? They've been on blood thinners for 30 years, they've been on this asthma medication, insulin, whatever, for so long. That is, without that, they would have had a natural death at a much earlier age. Mm -hmm. To say natural death now is an anomaly, really. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting that you say that, because my mother was even questioning herself. She had diabetes for... 35 years, the last few years of her life, the last two years when I spent a lot of time with her, she thought, she was reflecting with me, it's like, I don't understand why I last this long. And I never connected this medication. Modern medicine. Right. Because she said, that doesn't make sense actually, mm. because I've been ill for so long. Mm. And, and I don't understand why your dad died before me. Mm. I should have, in theory, she said, with my illnesses, I should have gone first. Mm. She was even going down this path, questioning mm. this, and I said, that's also interesting what you said. Mm. And now, yeah, mm. that explained it. So, you know, the palliative care route, for instance, which allows patients their process mm-hmm. and aims at somebody who is ill and dying, aims to give them the best quality of life until that moment of disconnection, which is death. Mm -hmm. So it reduces the therapeutic approaches. It reduces interventions that most probably will have no good outcome. Mm And it looks more at spiritual care, pain Mm -hmm. medication, um, giving them the time Mm -hmm. to make their peace, Mm -hmm. to say what they need to say, to look after what they need to look after, so that they can go have a good death, if you want. But natural death <laughs> rare. is very rare yeah. nowadays. Yes, I see your point, yeah. Natural death is very rare. And even if we just look at health supplements that we take, yeah, yeah. Um, natural death is very, very rare. Yeah, yeah. I'm taking supplements. <laughs> because we do say with all the opportunities that we have nowadays we say well as long as I'm alive I'd like to be pain free and as fit as I can be yes. and enjoying everything as much as I can good quality of life good quality of life yes. which means that we're actually in a palliative frame of mind actually yeah from the moment that our bodies start to decline, which is in our early 20s. 18 to 24, yes. We are all in palliative mindset, (laughs) certainly. (laughs) 
is normal. Yes. <laughs> yes. Whereas palliative is this, this new yes. word. and What is it exactly? But actually, if you look at it that way, you could say. Yeah. Uh, if a stretch of the imagination, we're in palliative Mold. from the moment yeah. we start to decline. Yeah. Because we try to not only stop it, but slow mm -hmm. the decline. Mm -hmm. But it's there. Mm -hmm. That normalizes it. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> so up until the mid-18th century, I can't speak for, for Asia, I can't speak for Africa, but in Western civilizations, up until then, death was very much part of the village <clears throat> or the settlement. Not only the family, but part of the village. Mm -hmm. And happened within the village. So in the village, there would be somebody, not only who's the undertaker, but somebody who would sew the the gown that they were buried in and there would be people who came to sit watch whilst other people did the cooking mm -hmm. whilst other people there would be an in and an out it was part of everyday life yeah yeah the body would be taken through the village mm -hmm. on a horse drawn ox drawn whatever cart um, people would walk behind it. Yes. The grave was in the, the village, village. Yes. with the village church. Yeah. People would go visit yes. and talk to the dead. It was part of everything. And so from mid-1800s onwards, it started to become more of a personal affair. Mm started become more of a family, just the family, started to become with medicine coming in, sanitation starting to happen, people washing their hands yes. and things like that. Hospitals starting, it was like this is too much for the family to do and because it's now a family affair rather than a village affair that we're not going to ask others so mm. let's put them into hospitals hospices let's take them away yeah. and death became sanitized yeah yeah, yeah. we can't look at it we can't look at the dead we the children no longer went to funerals mm -hmm. i mean 20th century 21st century, how many children go to funerals? How many children actually touch the dead mm -hmm. um, granny or mm -hmm. grandfather or kiss them or whatever when they're dead? Mm -hmm. How many sit at the bedside while somebody's dying? dying? Mm -hmm. So it's become institutionalized, it's become sanitized, it's become let other people do that work, we'd rather pay for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it's not pretty. Yeah. Yeah. So palliative is is wanting to change that to people dying at home again. Yeah. Yeah. With carers at home, as in professional carers, yeah. you know, district nurses. Here it's called Spitex in, in Switzerland. There's that kind of format of people, professionals coming to your home, either visiting three times a day. Yeah, or actually being employed in to sleep there, to sleep yeah. there 
or volunteers coming during the night and nurses during the day, all different forms or hospices Mm -hmm. where somebody has a room and often the loved ones move in or they take turns or whatever it is and it becomes a room away from home but sort of like a homely place and that is actually the way that most people would like to die in their mind they'd like to die at home yeah and they'd like to die in the presence of their loved ones yeah i can confirm from my parents Mm. they both died at home and in the presence of their loved ones Mm. yeah Mm. Yet some people do prefer themselves to die in hospital Mm -hmm. because they are comforted by having professionals Mm -hmm. around them who at the drop of a hat can give them new medication, can change this, whisk them off to that, etc. There are people who are very, very close to the point of death who still don't want to accept it yeah yeah believe it and often they are the ones in hospital going no but you have to do this and that because i have to go home Mm -hmm. and that is not the symbolic language that a lot of people use when dying it is the i have not agreed to this yet Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am still bargaining. Yeah. I am still saying, if you give me this or I do that, then I can I go home again point. and restart my life. Yeah. So there again we see how different death arrives yeah. in our lives. Yeah. Because the dying is so different. Yeah. And the dying is so different because depending on what it is, the the weakest organ that starts the dying process for real, not just the decline process, whether it's the lungs that are no longer functioning properly and therefore there's a carbon dioxide buildup in the body and that poisons the body, Mm -hmm. whether it's the kidneys that no longer function properly and therefore people can no longer urinate properly Mm -hmm. and therefore there's a build-up of toxins in the body, or whether it's the liver that no longer, etc., or the heart. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people think that the heart is what kills you. Mm-hmm. When the heart stops beating, obviously when the heart stops beating, you're dead. Yes. Yes, absolutely. But it can be the last organ mm-hmm. yeah. to stop. Yeah. It can be the result of your lungs not functioning or the toxins in your body from the liver not functioning mm-hmm. or from your kidneys not functioning. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or it could be that you've got a tumour that bursts. Mm. Or it could be a blood clot Mm -hmm. in the brain Mm -hmm. that stops your heart functioning. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. It could be a tumour that just grows to such an extent that it puts such pressure on the brain that the brain can no longer give the instructions to mm -hmm. your organs in your body and then the this heart stops. Mm -hmm. So there's so many different ways and of course everybody's right when they say when the heart stops functioning you're dead. Yes. So there are some people who have a relatively strong heart and they think in old age because they have no pain and they have nothing that they experience as out of the ordinary mm -hmm. health-wise. They just feel themselves declining rapidly. Mm. And they say, oh, I don't know if I can ever die because I've got such a strong heartbeat. They will, and not necessarily the heart first. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Other organ yeah. would go first, yeah. Yeah. So, there's so many questions, as I say, around, around the dying process. And when we speak to people about dying, a lot of the answers are, oh no, you're too young. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as we start declining... <laughs> With this kind of reference point. <laughs> and our heart starts losing strength in our 30s. Um... You know, when is too young mm -hmm. in a what we would easily term a healthy yeah. person? And let's be clear that a fit person is not necessarily a healthy person. Mm -hmm. And a healthy person is not a fit person. Mm -hmm. They are two different things. What about preparing? What about having a will and testament? Mm -hmm. What about having things in place? What about having people knowing what your last wishes would be? Okay, what would my care plan be if I had a heart attack but didn't die? Mm. If I had a stroke and didn't die, but I was in a coma, or I lost the power of speech, mm. what would I want done? Mm -hmm. What wouldn't I want done? Mm -hmm. If I did die, would I want to be cremated? Would I want a memorial? Would I want my ashes to be distributed? Would I want an earth burial? Would I want... What would I want? Mm -hmm. And I find a lot of people that I speak to, when the dying process really has started, that they notice mm -hmm. as well. I speak to people and they go, oh, well, I don't really care. My loved one should decide what they want. That is so difficult though. Mm. For the one who has to decide on their behalf. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Now, if that's one loved one, they can say, 
well, I would actually like to have the urn at home or distribute the ashes in the garden and plant a tree over it or whatever it mm. is, if it's one well, person. Mm. But what if it's three children and grandchildren who are grown up mm. and whatever, mm-hmm. and a spouse, mm-hmm. and they can't agree? It's a bit unfair. Yeah. It creates more problems. Yes. Yeah. And these people are in grief. Yes, they're already in grief, exactly. They've probably had the stress of accompanying somebody to their death. Mm-hmm. They're in grief. There's a lot of things to take care of, from informing insurances, internet providers yeah. and telephone providers and cancelling things and thinking about their own lives. Can I stay living where I am? Can I afford it? Is it too big? Do I want it? You know, selling the car, all those kinds of things. It's huge when you're in grief. It's huge when you're trying to restart your life. Mm-hmm. It's huge when you're trying to work out Who am I without my husband, without my wife, without my son, without my father, without... It is huge. And then you say, well, you know, I'm dead, so I don't really care. (laughs) The one who leaves is always the one that has the, the easier ending because everybody else still continue. Yes. Well, we don't know what happens after that's death. True, that's so, true. You know, that's true. That's true. Let's leave a let's question leave, mark yeah. there. Let's leave it there. Yes, yes. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but we do know here what happens. Yes. And then, of course, if there's anything that they leave behind, even the nicest families can start to fight over possessions. Yes. Or money. Yes or whatever, and things start to surface that are not nice. Mm -hmm. Whereas if it is the will of the person who left, you might not like it, but there's not much discussion around it. Yeah. So those conversations should start at an early age. Those thought processes Yes, so we're 20. Yes, so we're 30. We might not be married. We might not be in a partnership. We might not have children, but we might have brothers and sisters, and we might have parents. So if anything were to happen to us, let's talk about care plans in the family for everyone. So not, I'm in my 30s, my parents are in their 50s, 60s, mum and dad, what would we do if you can no longer determine for whatever reason the care that you want? Do you want to be resuscitated? Mm -hmm. Do you want this therapy? Do you want that therapy? Mm -hmm. How far must we go? Do you want to be put on a ventilator? What does it mean, life-prolonging circumstances? Mm -hmm. Under what circumstances? Mm -hmm. 
Do you want to prolong life even though you're brain dead? Do you want to prolong life even though you're a paraplegic? At best, if you can. Do you want to prolong life if you've been starved of oxygen? And yes, there are some cases where people have relearned to walk and relearned to talk over a long period of time. However, they haven't had the life they've had before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When is the cutoff point? Mm-hmm. So, self determination around health care. At any point in time, especially during your dying process, what does that mean? Yeah. It takes courage to answer these questions. But it's better to answer it when we still have our mind working well. Well, I think it's a discussion that needs to happen. Yeah. Now, in Switzerland, since 2013, We passed a law that says self-determination is everybody's right in healthcare. But it's also everybody's responsibility mm-hmm. in healthcare. And so we have patient care plans online mm-hmm. that can be downloaded mm-hmm. from various institutions from the medical association the swiss medical association from the red cross from the assisted suicide association called exit for instance though there are others in switzerland and in other countries you have do not resuscitate whereas the patient care plan in switzerland goes way beyond that mm-hmm. because of self determination which is equal to self responsibility mm-hmm. Now the advice is that you should not fill it in without some kind of professional support mm-hmm. or advice around it because there are a lot of questions in there for instance about what do you value in life mm-hmm. what are your values not only what do you value in life as in what makes life valuable to you but also what are your values mm-hmm. what is your experience around death mm-hmm. so that doctors reading that or family or carers reading that can say given these values given this that this person has written they we can take them off that machine or we won't put them on it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes sense. If you can't speak for yourself. Yeah. As long as you can speak for yourself, you determine with your doctors. Mm-hmm. If you're very ill, you can with your doctors and your carers and your therapists because it's generally a whole battery of people looking after you. you can put in place an advanced care plan mm-hmm. which can be revised at any point mm-hmm. with a patient care plan which is your own responsibility to do 
it is suggested that you revise it every two years because your circumstances and your values and what you value in life can change. Yeah. So if it's a 10-year-old one, doctors will start to question it because mm. they will say, but they didn't know at that time when they did this. That they, yeah, yeah. You know? So it's a rollover thing. But it's something that should be done with your loved ones and within the family mm. constantly in this rollover thing. Mm -hmm. But not only for the parents or the older people, because it can happen, you can get breast cancer yeah, yeah. at 28 yeah. that metastasizes. Mm -hmm. And then what? So the preparation for the dying process, these care plans are for then those moments when you cannot speak. The advice is have a shortened version, as in, in an emergency, mm. <laughs> where the doctor doesn't have the time to study seven pages of your values and what's important to you in life. They want to know, do we resuscitate, possibly break ribs mm -hmm. in resuscitation? It's not like on TV. Mm -hmm. And bringing that person back from death, because that is what resuscitation is. That mm -hmm. person has died. Come back. That was their natural death. Yes. That was their natural death. <laughs> if we resuscitate, we bring them back, mm -hmm. if possible. They might have been starved of oxygen. Mm. When And if we break ribs, which is often the case, they could penetrate the lungs. Mm. there could be more damage than good than good if we're talking natural death that was it <laughs> <laughs> yes mm. so do you really want to be resuscitated often people say yes, yes and they often. don't realize yeah. what that means what that means mm. and nobody explains it to them doesn't mean that's going to happen broken ribs it's often the case. Doesn't mean that it's going to penetrate an organ. Can happen. Doesn't mean there's going to be starvation of oxygen. Mm -hmm. Can happen. Anything can happen. Do you want to be resuscitated? Mm -hmm. So yes, in the five, six, seven pages, when we read it afterwards, once you're back, we'll see because of the values in your life, etc. Yes. And we respect that. But if there's an emergency, we don't have that time. So it's, do you want to be resuscitated? Yes or no. Do you want to be in intensive care? Yes or no. Do you want yeah. to be on a ventilator? Yes or no. Yeah. Yeah. Because if it's no, it's let me die. Yeah. That is my natural death. And I will take that. Yeah. That's the short form. And then there's a long form. And it should be looked at in Switzerland. It is recommended every two to three years updated. Mm -hmm. Or just re-sign it and redate it that it is still your wish. Who keeps this document? That's a very, very good question. Nowadays, because we are so, I, I believe, advanced in this area in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. um, by law, we need a medical care plan, insurance, a basic insurance. You can add on top hospital insurance mm -hmm. and 
um, various alternative therapy insurance, etc., etc. But you need a basic mm-hmm. one by law. So your healthcare insurer nowadays gives you a little credit card with a chip on it that has all of your information for your doctor, mm-hmm. for an emergency doctor, for a hospital, and that's the first thing they ask for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Literally is this card. This card. Mm-hmm. And your healthcare insurer now also has the option that there's a question in that chip that says um, patient care plan, yes or no. So it's a tick mm-hmm. or an X in the box. Mm-hmm. So you can send your patient care plan or a copy of it to, them. to your healthcare insurer. Now, there's not a doctor except for the emergency doctor. First of all, they will resuscitate you. An emergency doctor called out, you're walking along the lake, enjoying life, and suddenly collapse. Somebody phones an ambulance. Mm-hmm. They will bring you back. They will bring you back if they can, yes. because that is their mandate. Yeah. yeah. They will not look for a for DNR. The, uh, yes. Unless, even if you've got it on you. <laughs> Even if it's strapped to your chest, <laughs> their mandate is resuscitate. resuscitate. Yes. So there are still loopholes in this because they can be taken to court mm-hmm. by your loved ones. <laughs> Even if there is a DNR, yeah, they can say, "But it was your job." Yeah. They can lose their job. So. They will resuscitate. Yeah. So if you're out with your loved one, walking along the lake Mm -hmm. or up a mountain or whatever it is, and you collapse, and your loved one believes that you are in the moment of dying, and they know you have a DNR, if they respect and love you and can kill and can deal with yeah. it this is another thing yeah they will allow you to die and phone the ambulance or the air rescue once they are sure you passed yeah but actually they should be trying to resuscitate you hmm. And if a passerby comes, it is up to them. It is a requirement of civil law. Mm. To help. To help. Mm-hmm. So it's very difficult to have a natural death if there's somebody else around. If there's... <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Or unless you're in hospital and they know yeah. of... You're doing your resuscitate. Yeah. And I say, if it's, a, if it's a sudden occurrence... It's difficult. Mm-hmm. But if you have a care plan, as I say, you can lodge it with your health care pro- um, insurance. Mm-hmm. You can lodge it with your GP. Mm-hmm. And you can have one at home that everybody knows where it is. Mm-hmm. So that if anything occurs whilst you're in care and it's not sudden and, and air rescue or ambulance or whatever is called, then they know not only the do not resuscitate, but not into intensive care, not onto machines, not whatever, or onto machines to this extent, because yeah. there's also, you know, it's like a multiple choice questions. 
Into intensive care, yes, but not that. Mm, yeah. Onto machines, yes, if it's this, but not that. Yeah. And these are questions that when you're 20 or 25 or 30, you think, why on earth? But you could be in an accident. Yeah, yeah. And in a coma. Mm. You might have broken every bone in your body. You never know. Mm. And somehow it's unfair to have that conversation with your parents without doing it at the same time for yourself. It should be a stuti when you next visit your loved ones, something mm -hmm. that you sit down mm -hmm. and say, look, I've got a patient care plan from Switzerland in English. <laughs> and these are the questions and I find them really relevant. Why don't we all discuss this? Heaven forbid we need it. Mm -hmm. But why don't we discuss this? Because it makes us aware that life is finite mm -hmm. and it puts an appreciation of life without that aspect to deal with at this point in time into a very different light. Now for America for instance there is this movement called the Conversation Project mm. which they've adopted in the UK as well and it is exactly that care plan advanced care plan what do we do if you can't speak for yourself what do we do how far do we look after you mm -hmm. in your dying process mm -hmm. so for all the english speakers around the world it's worth googling mm -hmm. the conversation project yeah. And looking at what they talk about and suggest and thinking about it for yourself. So for instance, for myself, um, because I'm not, I have no partner mm -hmm. or life companion, I have no children, mm -hmm. I have a, a, a guardian, if you want, I've established a person who I trust. <laughs> Um, to take care of these things for me. Mm -hmm. But that person has to know exactly what your thought processes are and what your values are and whether you're spiritual or religious or an atheist, whether you believe that with death everything stops mm -hmm. or, or not, whether you want to be your ashes to be distributed on the lake or you want to be buried under a tree or whatever, mm -hmm. you know. The thing is about family, you can, you can talk to them about things and so say, well, I don't want to be resuscitated or I don't want to be on this machine. or I don't. There's this, this idea of life prolonging measures. Mm -hmm. And you can say, I don't want life prolonging measures. Mm -hmm. Now in Switzerland, they have the experience that they say, that's a difficult one if you don't specify because when is it life prolonging and when is it pushing death out? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah? So if we put you on this therapy or that machine, so sometimes you just push out death by three days. 
Uh, but then somebody in your family will say, but it gives so-and-so time to come and say goodbye. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or it gives me three days with you. Before. Before. But actually it wasn't your wish. Correct. But if it's in writing, then the doctors have something where they can say, I understand you don't want to let go, mm-hmm. but it's the dying person's wish. Yeah. So there are all these, these aspects to think of. Certainly. And most of us don't realize we have the rights to say. Mm. I think this is also the other thing. I think for some cultures, we just... I don't know if it's cultural, but in some places in the world, I think we just let nature just take us in the way that it's supposed to be. It wasn't even a thought that... Well, then again, I ask you, does nobody take supplements or medication? Correct, correct. So we don't let nature take its way. We don't. We don't, actually. Correct. We don't any longer, which is why I brought up that the body goes into decline. So once we face up to that... (laughs) Then we take charge. And I think, again, that thought of we don't think we have the right. Mm -hmm. Is that true or we don't want to take responsibility? No, correct. No, exactly. Because as I was sitting here and I said to myself, I don't have this plan. This is something I want to do because I can see how this will be useful for, for my process. But this is also quite daunting. Yes. Answering the question is quite daunting. And maybe some, some of us choose not to answer. And there again, I say that here in Switzerland, because I'm talking about Switzerland yes. right now, uh, because this is where we're both based, yes. and these are the possibilities and opportunities here. But here in Switzerland, they do say, looking at the, at the um, topics that say the conversation project brings up but that's generally when somebody's already ill. Here it's before you're ill, yeah. actually. Anybody should have it. The patient care plan, they say don't do it on your own. Mm-hmm. So ask a professional mm-hmm. to guide you through that. And so, for instance, there's, um, there's an organization that advises old people mm-hmm. and old is pensionable age so it's from mid 60s onwards, onwards. you're old <laughs> well we know in your 70s yes. you've got less brain mass but so um it's called prosenectute and they advise the aged they also take on um counseling Mm-hmm. Um, for the aged, they help you with your taxes, they help you with this, they help you with social grants. They, they also organize courses and they, at your level, mm-hmm. they organize events, walks and things like that. But they also have people who take you through an, uh, a file and in that file is who would be your guardian mm-hmm. If, for instance, you can no longer take care of yourself because you are no longer mentally able to 
physically able to, whatever, who will make those decisions mm. for you? Financial decisions, mm. Mm. other decisions, not just health care. And they talk you through the patient care plan. Mm. Yeah. Because it becomes normalized in a conversation with somebody you trust, who mm-hmm. gives you the options, who doesn't sort of go, oh, we're going to talk about a really terrible subject now. No, it normalize it. Mm-hmm. They also look at, do you have a will and testament? Mm-hmm. Because if there's a painting that you have in your room, or there's a special piece of jewelry or your watch or whatever. Do you want your siblings? Do you want the people you leave behind to fight over it? Mm-hmm. Or do you want to give it to your best friend mm-hmm. rather than your siblings? Mm-hmm. Or do you want it sold and the money given to charity? What do you want mm-hmm. within the law? Now in Switzerland, you have to give a certain amount to blood relatives, whether you like it or yes, not, yes. which is always up again for discussion, but um, and always brought back to the vote. But um, there's also a part that you can decide freely on what you want. So all of these things, I think it's about taking responsibility. Mm-hmm. And of course, as a therapist and counsellor and coach, You know that I've always said we can grow old just by consistently breathing, but growing up demands inner work. Mm -hmm. And this for me is part of growing up. Yeah. Yeah. It's never too late to grow up. No, I agree. I agree. I agree. And I'm so grateful we have this conversation because it makes sense. I just didn't know there is such thing as patient care plan. I think even though this is very much Swiss specific, but I think what is in this process can be discussed everywhere else. And you can do it in any country mm-hmm. and then with any of your loved ones and then they know, yeah. or at least they get the copy of it. Yeah. And then they know that the doctors are not going against your wishes yeah. and it frees them up yeah. to grieve. Yeah. This was, this happened with, after my dad died, he died really quickly, we had this conversation with my mother, simply because we know there will be more complication health-wise. We felt, well, I, I think the kids felt a bit awkward to ask the question, but my mother was very happy to answer. Knowing who she is, she prefers to tell you, this is what dignity looks like to me. Mm. And uh, so we were very relieved mm. because we were quite clear in terms of what she wants and does mm. not want. And she's, I, I'm sure she has thought about it for some time. And we execute really on that. Nothing is written. We were having conversation about it. And we felt very calm to mm. inform the doctors about mm. that. And the doctors are very calm in receiving this information. So there was not much complication in terms of choices mm. because we know. Well, I think if your father hadn't died like that, you wouldn't have done it. Correct. Correct. And and that is the pity, because as you say, it calmed you all down. It's stressful enough. Yes, yes. I mean, having said it calmed you all down, it doesn't mean that you weren't stressed. No, correct. As you accompanied your mother through two years of yes. dying. Yes. 
Um, but it took that away. It took yes. the tension away between the siblings of, I think she'd want this. No, I think she'd want that. And it also takes away, once somebody has died, that feeling of, did we get it right? Mm. Yeah. So taking responsibility for your own death actually means taking responsibility for your own life. And do you want, at the end, to have more quality of life or a longer life? I hope this first episode has provided you with some thoughts to ponder on and an inspiration to take actions to think about how you would like for your dying process to be. I'm looking forward to see you on the next episode next week where we're going to talk about the physiological and biological process of dying, what happens in our body as we are descending, as we are dying. Until then, take care of yourself. Bye.